Steve Kidd is a number one international best-selling author, a third-generation minister, and has been a business coach for over three decades. In fact, he made his first sales when he was just five years old. He also hosts a weekly radio show called Thriving Entrepreneur. His big heart sets him apart, along with being an extreme visionary, the best in the world at seeing the up level. Steve has helped thousands of people bring their message to the world and has impacted millions in the process. And if you want insights into trends, projects and opportunities, and you are also looking for the powerful clarity that compassionately unleashes passion, Steve is your guy. In today's episode, let's learn from him about how to become a best-selling author. This is the Guiding Voice podcast series, the Guiding Voice for a Better Future. Friends, I am your host, Navin Samala, just a fellow IT professional on a mission to make the world a better place to live. Through the Guiding Voice, we drive conversations that matter, conversations that add value to your life and to your career. Thank you so much for joining me. Steve, hearty welcome to the Guiding Voice, and I'm super excited to host you today. Thanks so much for having me today, Naveen. Let's get into the conversation. Uh, Steve, probably you can briefly talk about your career journey. I was uh, super amazed to, to see that you have made your first sale just at the age of five and you have become a business coach. So how did this journey evolve? Can you share key milestones? Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, my my parents had bought uh, some holiday uh, some holiday cards and and napkins for for my older brothers who are a little bit older than uh, quite a bit older than I am, about seven years older than I am. Um, and uh, they quickly decided that they did not want to be in door to door sales. Um, and as a five year old, I was like, well. Can I go sell them? <laughs> and, uh, you know, my brothers even have told me that the most frustrating part about it is they would tell me not to go to that house because they had already been there. Um, and I would go to that house and come back with the sale. Um, and of course, it frustrated them. <laughs> uh, you know, I mean, selling at five is easy when yeah. you uh, can just walk in with the power of cuteness. But yeah, I went out with a bag of... Uh, things to sell and came back with a pocket full of money and I was kind of hooked and I've been in sales and marketing ever since. That's that's nice. And uh, Steve, can you also share the toughest lessons that you have learned in your entrepreneurial journey? So the hardest lesson really is knowing who you really are and sticking to the heart and soul and core of yourself. There are so many trends cool things that come along, things that can seem really interesting, but all distractions are equal, even good distractions. And uh, if we don't know who we are and understand what our purpose and what the thing that we bring to the world is, we very easily get sidetracked into something because it, and it may even work really well for a while, but it's not sustainable because it's not really our purpose and really who we are. And and so that was definitely a lesson I had to learn. Moving ahead, Steve, and uh, talking about your journey as an author, like, what was the challenge that you faced during your first book as an author? Did you come across any obstacles as such? So um, from my author standpoint, my first book, <laughs> funny, actually, I was actually writing a free opt-in, you know, 
give me your email address. I'll give you this one, two page thing. 110 pages later, uh, I had more than a book. In fact, uh, had so much content that that ended up actually being released as 10 books eventually. And that is really kind of, both for myself as everybody, really kind of the biggest problem we typically run into. And that's that once we get on a roll, we want to tell everybody everything we've ever learned versus just helping a person take one step. We want to move them all the way to the finish line with everything that we know. And so we really need to think about their ability to be able to take things in and take action, um, take one point, make it really clear action from that. And so that's, you know, that's one of the biggest things I learned out of that first book. Mm-hmm. These days, uh, when we hop into the social media platforms, we are seeing many best-selling authors or many people are claiming to be best-selling authors. So I would like to understand what is a bestseller? Why would I want it? What is it good for? So, um, I mean, number one, there are a lot of lists that have a bestsellers list and people use, um, you know, Forbes, Fortune Magazine, New York Times. Um, when I talk about bestsellers, I'm specifically talking about on Amazon and I specifically use Amazon because Amazon is the only list that I know of that is statistically driven, meaning that if a book is at number two and another book is at number three, the book at number two sold more copies of that book. Now, Amazon doesn't care whether it was $0 or a million dollars. They're really interested in the book got into the hands of a unique individual. They define that unique individual by a unique email address, but that makes it, in my opinion, the only really legitimate list. Most people are buying a uh, listing of wholesale purchases from big box retailers and and then writing editorials based on whatever their criteria is, and that is their quote-unquote bestseller list. Now, with that said, I don't want to take away the legitimacy of anybody's uh, bestseller ranking that they've gotten in any list that they're in. Um, if a company took whatever information they took and deemed you to be a bestseller, you're a bestseller. Um, And that is a powerful, powerful uh, credential. In fact, it's literally the number one influencer credential, bar none. With that said, um, it's very much the same as having graduated from medical school. Now, you can be Dr. So-and-so, whether you graduated from medical school at Harvard University or Yale or, you know, one of the most prestigious schools in the world, or if you graduated from some, you know, unknown school in some island in the Caribbean or in a totally, you know, obscure country that none of us have ever heard of, um, it doesn't make any less impact in the fact that you do have that degree as a doctor. Um, Because the fact of the matter is, is, is that, achieving the degree doctor as in medical doctor is the proof from a third party source that you passed a test to show that you have an advanced working knowledge of anatomy and physiology. Nobody that's passed that test is going to get handed a scalpel and asked to operate on somebody. In fact, Once you cross that stage, become Dr. So-and-so for the rest of your life, that's when learning how to actually be a doctor begins. Um, And there's years and years that they spend before they will ever be allowed to even operate or 
or even so much as prescribe to somebody without oversight. Um, the same thing is true with your book, really. Uh, bestseller is where we begin. Um, my book, 20, um, is entitled Bestseller is Only in the Beginning. It should be something that happens on day one with your book. Um, and anybody that has any idea how to market a book, that absolutely should happen day one. And then you build from that third-party validation of your capability to have put out something because you need to understand over 80% of all the people in the world say they want to write a book less than 5% even still ever do. Um, and, uh, and out of that 5%, uh, you know, there's only about 5% or less that ever achieve through marketing the, the seller of best, the status of bestseller. Um, so it still is a very powerful, important credential. Um, and no matter how much you see it on social media, it still means a lot. Um, and it is going to be the number one thing that you're going to have to do in order to start the process of maximizing the marketing in whatever it is that you're going to do in the world. Mm-hmm. I, I love the metaphor of uh, getting a doctor degree from various universities. And it makes a lot of difference, mm-hmm. especially when you do it from a prominent institute. So Likewise, uh, whether you are purchasing it, purchasing the bestseller rank, or if you are going genuinely with Amazon, which goes on statistics, I think that uh, brings a lot of clarity. Now, Steve, I'm also interested in terms of how how does one become a best-selling author genuinely without purchasing that? Well, I mean, again, becoming a best-selling author is literally just about getting the hands in the most number of people um, in the way that the particular system you're working in. So let's talk specifically Amazon, because that's the one that I that I use. Um, you need to understand, and I'll give you even a behind the curtains little peek at how Amazon, some of how Amazon's algorithm works. Amazon is looking at legitimate sales. They're looking at, and they update their list on an hour by hour basis. So let's take a ludicrously no, low number. Let's talk about 10 sales in an hour. Um, not a huge, you know, overwhelming goal, but you have to understand statistically 10 sales in an hour is greater than 200 in a day. Um, it's greater than 6,000 in a month and greater than 72,000 sales of a book in a year. Meaning that a book that sold 72,000 copies of that book in a year may not have had an hour where they sold 10 sales. Um, that is significant. That is um, good marketing, and it does definitely trigger in Amazon that during that hour, that book was the most in-demand book. And that's ultimately what we want. Now, we want to have ongoing marketing that continues our book to rank, um, because if we just hit in an hour or in a day or in a week, um, and then we just sit there and we do nothing, we just rest on our laurels, uh, again, going back to the medical doctor analogy, if you graduate medical school and you never do your internship, you never learn anything more, um, you're always going to be a doctor, but um, you're never going to go beyond the fact that you passed that test. Um, and so that's the same thing. That's where we start. That is uh, the algorithm, if you will, behind it. And that is the place that is the starter pistol, if you will, for the beginning of the race. Mm-hmm. So you have to sell minimum 10 books in an hour. That counts a lot compared to selling 600 copies in a month and so beautifully explained. Steve, 
let us also talk about the fallacy of uh, traditional publishing in fact uh, we have uh, recently burnt our hands by getting into traditional publishing because i am also a first time author along with uh, two others and uh, i have uh, featured about 22 of the conversations from the guiding voice podcast out of 300 plus and that is a volume 1 <laughs> and volume 2 is in the making i really want to uh, avoid getting into the trap of any anything else okay that, that is involved with the traditional publishing and also i would really need you to mention about the fallacies of uh, uh, traditional publishing absolutely the number one piece of problem with fallacy of traditional publishing is the traditional publishers are going to own your book they're going to own your content um meaning that after you sign that contract and it doesn't matter whether they give you a huge advance royalty check or they're just simply covering the cost of printing for the first run of your book either way at, a, at any end of that they're going to own anywhere between 80 and 100% of the content of your book what does that mean to you that means that even though you may have been using all of that content teaching it um being the expert in that field uh you're no longer allowed to do that legally without permission from that publisher to do it um and i know multiple people who have put that book out and then their publisher said well no we don't want you creating a course off of our material we're not approving the courses you're doing and so therefore the course that you always intended to sell based off of your book um you can't sell you'd have to go back to the drawing board and come up with something totally different so that's the number one piece of that number two is traditional publishers are very good at formatting they have um a uh, you know a stock of editors that they are used to working with that will edit in a particular style typically speaking most people will tell you they'll edit your voice right out of your book um that's traditional with traditional publishers editors um but that is their forte is the production end of the book they are not good marketers there is no traditional publishing company that i know of that could rest on its accolades of being a marketing company their idea of you marketing your book is here's a list of some uh producers at multiple different radios and television shows or bookstores that um we have the contact information for uh see if you can schedule a time with them for you to go do an interview for you to be in their magazine for for you to do 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 all of the things they expect and in fact if you write a treatise to a traditional publisher to get them to accept you as a client um the very first thing that they want to know is how are you going to sell this book how are we as the company the traditional publisher going to make money from this book because of the marketing that you do well if you're going to do all the marketing yourself anyway um why would you then want to give them 80 to 100% of the rights and the royalties to your book yeah. um and make the limited amount of money that you make off of it versus just owning it yourself to begin with mm-hmm. yeah it's kind of eye opening uh, for sure and uh, yeah so looks like we will not have control on the content once we sign up an agreement with a traditional publication i think uh, for those who are budding authors or planning to be author guys i think please make make a note of this one this is something we are hearing directly from the horse's mouth and steve you also help people discover the next level and achieve right so 
how do you do that how can someone discover themselves how, how what's next for me and how can i achieve my next steps so i will tell you in all fairness um that is totally my gifting and some of it uh is just naturally the talent that god put into my life to be highly empathic and intuitive in what i do and in listening um ideas do just come to me so you know some of that is not teachable it is just uh, a natural skill that i'm blessed to be able to have but the concept of the next is number 1 understanding where a person truly is so that they um, know where they're really at. Often we either critique ourselves too harshly and don't realize how uh, impressive, if you will, we are, um, or we go the other way with it and we come up with half of an idea and we never flush it out. Um, and so because of that, we never really maximize what we're doing because we haven't really thought all the way through from beginning to end. Um, there's an old phrase that says, begin with the end in mind. What is our action strategy? What is the plan? Where are we going with this? Where do we really want it to be? That's not to say that every product, good, or service you bring out has to be the multi-billion dollar project. It could be something that you know earns you enough money to be able to put food on your table for the next couple of months. And that's uh, you know, could be totally what you need to do with this particular next thing. But um, until we start with where it's going and then are real with that, um, that's part of, you, you need to know where you're starting in order to know how to then up-level of that. And then it's a matter of really understanding what else is involved in there. What does that really mean? When you say you want to be... Um, you know, let's use something simple. You want to work for a network marketing company and uh, sell a product that's available, uh, you know, through this network marketing, and you're going to build a whole downline of people and all those kind of things. Um, what is the real intent of that? Um, you know, whether it's that or any other thing, being in business for yourself is work. And you need to understand what are you trying to do? Um, a lot of times we see a product um, that we begin to sell and we're doing it because we're passionate about the impact that that'll make in somebody's life. We're passionate about um, how revolutionary that product is. Um, all of those things tend to, not always, but tend to say that the reason why I'm doing this is because I have a passion for doing this thing in the world. Um, let's use, for example, again, with a multi-level and it's some type of weight loss program. Um, that tends to lend itself to saying what I'm really passionate about is helping people live healthier lives. And so when we then look beyond this one product, good, or service, and begin to see the deeper and the more, we begin to say, what I really want to do is I want to make a substantial impact on people's lives. We all know that products are going to continue to be updated. New products are going to come down the road. But if we positioned ourselves as somebody who, number one, really cares about again, we'll use health as an example, about a person's particular health and their nutritious eating. Um, and we have began to use social media and other things, as well as local things, to really position ourselves as that. We're actually then up-leveling ourselves to the point where we become a go-to expert so that we can be on a podcast like yours and talk more than just the mechanics of what we do or signing customers up, we can give people insights into 
really, truly big things that can help them. Does that, I mean, like I said, there's a lot of nuances to it, but does that kind of answer your question for you? Absolutely. I think that was uh, very clear. And thanks for the great insights uh, so far. Uh, Steve, let's add some spice to the episode so that uh, our audience get to know the other side of you, something a little personal side. Are you okay with that? (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. Great. So here comes my first bullet out of this rapid fire. If you could say one thing to God, what would you say? Oh, um, more than anything, it would be thank you. Thank you for always being there with me in spite of the times that I've been frustratingly angry with you. I've done all of the wrong things and then blamed it all on you when it really should have been me um, for all of those nights lonely hours that you've always been there even when i denied that you were there thank you for always being there with me that would be the number one thing i'd say to him that's quite interesting and let's move ahead what is your favorite childhood memory other than making a sale at age of five um so (laughs) this is a fun one i don't know whether it's my favorite one or not but uh, you know, as I said, I'm a third generation minister. My father was a pastor. Um, one of the people came running into the church one morning and said, Pastor, um, you should go out and see what your son's doing. I was, uh, you know, because our house was right in the, you know, right next to the parking lot for the church. So I I played there. It was my playground all week long, you know, and then the people came on Sunday to go to church. So I got in my mind that if um, if people were going to park in my parking lot, then uh, maybe they should pay for it. And so the young entrepreneur in me, um, I was out there with a coffee can uh, charging people to uh, park in the parking <laughs> lot at church. You are a real entrepreneur. <laughs> I think I, I think I made five cents in a button, but um, <laughs> that's nice. That's nice. Moving ahead, can you describe yourself in just one word? Thriving. Thriving. Wow. Um, is there anything you want to change about yourself? And I only get to pick one. (laughs) Um, I am definitely on a journey to, uh, you know, to lose. You can probably tell, you know, I'm still overweight um, to really lose the weight and be down at my ideal weight because there's so much more that I need to do in this world. And um, the weight is definitely a deterrent and and holding me back from living my best life. And and I wish you all the best. Definitely you will do it. Moving to the last one out of rapid fire, what is one electronic gadget or the fantasy gadget that you'd like to see or invent yourself? Is it possible for them to create um, an intuitive search function, whether it's on a phone or on your computer, that just knows what I meant rather than what I necessarily typed in i mean with all the autocorrect and all of those kind of things uh shouldn't it know better what i'm thinking i mean (laughs) (laughs) in fact it is happening partially because our data is tracked through cookies and all 
at times we come across this situation whatever we think on our mind that surfaces on google page and all but yeah uh, whatever you are asking is kind of next level to it and i'm sure it is going to happen <laughs> all right so yeah. uh, steve that was a very interesting rapid fire let's flip back to the mainstream and before i let you go one final question for today's conversation what will be your biggest piece of advice to those aspiring to become a best selling author i heard a lady say one time I'm a pretty high-end successful coach, actually. She said one time, um, you know, who you are is not about you. And uh, that was kind of a bullet through the heart when I first heard it. Um, And I began to realize just how important, because we need to understand somebody's waiting on you. There is somebody who made a wrong decision again today, yesterday, last week, last month, last year, because they simply didn't have the information. It's not that they want to make the wrong decision so that they don't know any better and they will continue to do so until you share who you are with the world. Uh, because there are certain people that the way you're going to say it, the, who you are, that's in this world, the purpose that is yours, um, which is only good in that it helps somebody else. Um, if you're not sharing that with the world, those people that you were meant to serve and those people that you were meant to help, they're not getting the help that they need. And so really more than anything, uh, you know, the reason why we bring out our book, we make it a bestseller, we market it, we do all those things is because there's somebody that's waiting on you. Such a powerful advice, Steve. And uh, uh, thank you so much for joining me today. And thanks for all the wonderful insights and thanks for spending time. And I hope you enjoyed the conversation and I hope you enjoyed the experience on TGV. I loved it. Thank you so much for having me as a guest. All right. So pleasure to host you, Steve. So friends, that was our episode with Steve Kidd. And before we move into the trivia section, here is a request to you. Please subscribe to us in case if you haven't done already. Also, if you have loved this episode and found the conversation useful, request you to share with at least three of your friends or colleagues who can benefit from the guiding voice. Thank you so much in advance. In today's trivia, let's talk about an Irish poet and playwright Oscar Wilde. You know, Oscar Wilde was imprisoned for his sexuality. The genius Oscar Wilde was tried for sodomy by Sir Alfred Douglas, the father of his lover, when Wilde was 45. And he was convicted in 1895 after spending years in prison, undertaking hard labor. Wilde sadly contracted meningitis. Meningitis is an inflammation of brain and spinal cord membranes, typically caused by an infection. And it is caused by a viral infection, but can also be bacterial or fungal. Vaccines can prevent some forms of meningitis. However, he had died a few years later. That is a sad story about Oscar Wilde. So folks, if you have come across any best-selling author, please Share their details with me through social media or if you are watching this episode on YouTube, leave a comment. That's all for today. Thank you so much for joining me. Also, do not forget to share your topic recommendations or guest speaker suggestions through social media or email me at theguidingvoiceforyou at redgmail.com. I'm your host, Navin Samala, just a fellow IT professional, but a passionate learner on a mission to make the world a better place to live. Until next time, bye-bye. See you all in the next episode with another wonderful